Hello and welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast, where our co-hosts bring keen insight to some of the most pressing issues facing nonprofit and church leaders today. Each episode features an in-depth interview with thought leaders, ministry practitioners, executives and artists who draw from their wealth of experiences to share valuable insights and lessons learned from the journey. And now, let's join our hosts for today's episode. Hello, and welcome to season four of the Slingshot Group podcast. Man, it is so good to be back. Can't even believe we're at season four already. The first three have flown by. We've had some amazing conversations in those first three seasons. If you're new to the podcast, let me encourage you strongly go back to the beginning, uh, drink in some of those conversations we've had with some amazing leaders. Uh, You're not going to want to miss all that we've done so far. But man, season four is fire. I I cannot wait. A little housekeeping right at the very beginning here. Uh, You're going to be hearing a brand new voice on the podcast this season. Our good friend, Brian Taylor. Hey, everybody. Brian, I would love if you would give us a little bit of your story let the listeners know some about who you are because we're going to be hearing a lot from you this season. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you, David, uh, for introducing me today. This is so exciting for me. Uh, My wife and I are worship pastors and worship leaders in North Dallas, Texas. Uh, We've been in ministry together the duration of our marriage. I've been in worship ministry for over 15 years at this point, and we love equipping and resourcing the local church, and we love helping people connect Uh, with God's presence and advancing his kingdom uh, through the work of the local church. And that's one of the reasons why I love working with Slingshot Group in our experience division uh, as a staffing consultant and a leadership coach. So really excited to be on the podcast and cannot wait to dive into the conversations this season. Yeah, we're having some good ones. We're pumped that you're a part of this, Brian. We we had a a group discussion and decided we needed just a little more Texas in our lives. (laughs) And so I'll throw uh, in some y'alls. Yeah. You, you bring the Texas draw and, uh, and I think that's going to be a blast. You know, um, let's dive into this very first episode. Uh, man, 2020 has been kind of that year that no one expected. Uh, and we think that it's so important as leaders to intentionally engage in some of these conversations that will help us to better lead through the season. So this very first episode is just that. Uh, We're going to be talking with Jan Johnson. Uh, Jan is a writer, speaker, spiritual director. She's a professor. Uh, She specializes in spiritual formation, uh, caring for the voiceless, and living with purposeful intentionality. Uh, Our very own Vance Martin had this incredible conversation with Jan, and we're going to dive straight into it following that conversation. Brian, Vance, and I are going to unpack some of our takeaways. So... Let's go ahead and listen in on the conversation with Vans and Jan. Well, welcome everybody to the Slingshot Group podcast. I am uh, thrilled today. I know we say that about a lot of guests that we have on the podcast, but today uh, I'm talking with somebody who has some significance in my life. Um, I have with me Dr. Jan Johnson, who was one of my professors at Hope International University. And uh, Jan is um, a leader and a guide um, when it comes to spiritual disciplines and uh, just so excited 
to talk with you today, Jan. We are grateful to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the Slingshot Group Podcast, Jan. Oh, thank you so much. I'm sure this is going to be fun. Yes. And as we were talking before we jumped on, I just want to reiterate, you have seen a lot of my papers and you know the <laughs> deepest, darkest secrets that I have. So I'd appreciate it if you'd keep those to yourself while over the next uh, 20 minutes here. Um, I'm just trusting you will, right? Well, I always think it's an honor to read my students' papers. Of course, when you're lower in the alphabet, and I've been reading students' papers, it you right. get a little bit not so great. But Martin was in the middle, so that's good. That's good. You weren't totally, totally tired <laughs> of the papers. <laughs> um, well, Jan, one of the things that I, 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 there's several things that I took away from being in, in um, two of your classes, actually. Um, and I think why we wanted to bring you on the podcast is there's this thing that being a pastor and most of the people that are listening to our podcast are in some form of ministry, whether it's nonprofit or most are in pastoral leadership. There's this burden of leading a church and all the demands of leading a church. And, and that becomes not only our calling, but it's our job. Um, but then there's this also thing that we are sons and daughters and we're maintaining a relationship with Jesus. How do you find a balance? How do you find the willpower, the rhythm um, of maintaining this relationship with Jesus while also caring about the demands of, of church and ministry and all the things that go in between? Because it leads to burnout. There's so, I, I have burnout in ministry. It leads to a dark road. So I'm, I'm giving you a softball question here to begin with. <laughs> How do we balance that tension between being a son or daughter and also being on mission? Well, balance doesn't work if you're thinking of, okay, more of this and less of this mm -hmm. and all of that. It's got to be a complete combination because the truth is that God cares so much more about your church than you do. Right. It's his and church, by the way. It's not our the church. The spirit wants to do the heavy lifting. And Jesus is waiting on this park bench for you to come and ask him about the parking, okay? Right. He, he's sitting there on this park bench going, okay, that, that leader in your church that you really mm. can't stand, and his wife is worse. Um, you know, come and talk to me about this. We can, and you can tell me the truth. It's okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But God wants to be in conversation with us about every single thing. Um, and ministry and, and who you are and your life with God, it, they, all, they all swirl together. Right. You, you can't know? compartmentalize them. Right. They are. Imagine eating a cake going, oh, I'm getting the flour end. Can I have some of your sugar end? Mm -hmm. I mean, no, you want, you want both. Mm -hmm. And so it all swirls together. And we have made some artificial separations. It's like that Mary Martha story. Right. Oh, that makes me crazy the way people handle it. Because, okay, a decent Mary is going to be a fabulous Martha. Because when you talk to Jesus and you spend time with Jesus, he's going to say things like, Okay, so I've been thinking about so-and-so. What do you think? And then you go, oh, I'll give them a call. That's good. Um, 
And, and Jesus will talk to you about all kinds of stuff so that your so-called ministry mm-hmm. is out of the overflow. And then if you're mm. a decent Martha, the whole church is going to drive you nuts. Really? Right. You right. know? And it's so, a never ending well, uh, a deep yes. pit of need. Right. And so you're going you're gonna to be driven to the mountainside like Jesus was going, okay, so <laughs> have you got any ideas? <laughs> or you're telling me we're not going to talk about ministry for a while. We're just going to sit here and hang out and have a good time. And you want me to ride my bike and love you at the same time. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of pastors problems would be solved if they hiked and rode their bikes more. Well, and see, I totally agree with that. And this is something that I've dealt with. And I think it's guilt. I deal with guilt in when I take time, because, okay, you want to be my therapist for a little bit here, Jan? Maybe you can, (laughs) you can fix me. And we'll swap. (laughs) Okay, deal. When I think about the spiritual disciplines, sometimes because of my calling, I can feel guilty in that I'm taking time for me and somehow I make this, okay, that's me time uh, because I need to refresh and recharge and go ride my bike. Well, that's me time. That's not the church time. And so I still owe a whole lot more back to the church and to God in my service. So how and I, I know that there's others that, as I've had conversations, that, that's something that is so huge. It's, there's a block of guilt that when I spend time for me, or it feels the sexy thing is to be busy. Uh, and uh, so when I admit that I went off and went for a walk, that sounds, that doesn't sound cool at all. That doesn't sound like an aggressive leader. Um, and it makes me feel guilty. It makes me, I don't want people to know about that. Why is that? Why do we feel that way? Or maybe I am just the only one. No, no, everybody's this way. And it's because we bought into the culture. Jesus was very anti-cultural. Mm-hmm. He was always running off. There's all these times in the, yes. in the gospels where he's running off and you got to figure he's the son of God. Shouldn't he have had it all together? Mm-hmm. But he just liked to be with God. Yeah. He wasn't always running off to get help. I think he, the two of them liked to hang out together. And they liked to talk about some of those disciples. And, and you know, what about those Pharisees? Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, I know that you love them. And I, can you show me what I could do to be of help there? So I think that busyness, busyness is about me. Actually, that's more me focused. Yeah. Because then it makes me feel successful. Mm-hmm. It makes me look important. It gives me and, value, identity. Yes. And, and that's really just going to clutter up our minds and it's not going to work. So guilt is a very destructive thing. And I would say it's the number one tool of the enemy. Yeah. What works better than guilt is flat out desire. Mm. So mm-hmm. let's say, Vance, what's your wife's name? Andrea. So. You go to Andrea and you say, I think that we should have a date night because I feel so guilty. Mm-hmm. Right. Look at it. Okay? Yes, Picture absolutely. That <laughs> Picture that look versus you going up to her and going, hey, girl, I've really missed you. Why uh-huh. don't we just like sneak off together? I mean, okay, 
that looks going to be very different on her face, right? Absolutely. Well, that's exactly the difference we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think the paradox too is when I actually do that, I'm more effective and can get more done <laughs> oh, no. for God. Terrible. Well, is it terrible? Well, no, I thought, I thought we were talking about your wife and you were, never mind. Oh, no, yes. Okay, but it, <laughs> but it is, and it's not a paradox. That is organic. Yeah. Because really, your ministry is your overflow. Absolutely. And people don't remember, you know, that I know you're, you guys are doing a hard, you know, you're working hard to produce, produce a wonderful show right now. But what people are going to remember was who you are and what you were like and whether or not you were truthful whether or not they saw in you a love for God. Yeah. They'll get that much better than, you know, your best stories and your best quotes and, and that you wore those cool jeans. Um, So they, they really need to know what it looks like to desire God. And when we desire God, the guilt kind of goes away because we found something so much better. Mm Mm-hmm. It's authentic. It's real. Uh, yeah. Because I think as a pastor too, I can get in the trap of the should, the should trap of I'm a pastor. I got to set an example. I should do these things. I do them out of I'm the leader and setting the example. So I'm going to have my quiet time and prayer time so that I can talk about it in my message this, this weekend. And it, that's, that's empty. That is such forced obedience. Think about the difference when your kids now say thank you to grandma. Mm -hmm. Instead, they open the gift and they go, wow, grandma, this was so cool. Forced obedience is just, we want to move to a place. I mean, forced obedience is better than disobedience. Okay. But we want to move to the space where we, we truly love God and where we realize that God is doing all these marvelous things in our church, and we may or may not be involved in them. Right. We may just be over here creating a show or creating all that, and God's doing marvelous things. We want to we ask God, what is it that you're doing that you want me to partner with you with? Um, we want to be able to, to just be with God in the middle of it. That relationship mm-hmm. will create mm-hmm. such, such a difference in your life. Yes. And then it, it, you know, it'll overflow into the lives of people around you. Yeah. I think of the term spiritual discipline. And even when I say that, it sounds like work. And so what's the difference? How do we take something that we call a spiritual discipline, which feels regimented and direct, and turn it into something that is more of a stream or rhythm of life, rhythm of walking with God. Um, because spiritual discipline doesn't sound fun. Um, ha- and I think that can be a, it sets it up as, again, a, a, as an I should do this. What would you say to that person that is trying to unpack? What even is, what do we mean when we say a spiritual discipline? And how does that really apply to my life? Well, you know, in the class, 
I didn't name that class Developing Spiritual Disciplines. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I would never have named it that. And I used the word exercise most of the time, but the word mm-hmm. I wanted to use, but the powers that be wanted was too weird, was experiment. In okay. fact, most of my books, in fact, even in When the Soul Listens, at the end, I have transformation experiments. Mm-hmm. So it's just, these are ways of connecting with God. And if you're doing mm-hmm. a spiritual, we'll say practice, okay? If you're doing a spiritual practice and you're not connecting with God in the middle of it, you either need to change it, ask Jesus how to change it. You need to pause, do, do a dramatic pause on this thing yeah. and figure out how it helps you connect with God. Um, okay, I'll just get myself in a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> reading the Bible through in a year. I have never met someone who does that and connects with God. Mm. But boy, it sure sounds good, doesn't it? And yes, it seems it really good. Sure. And if a person not a bad thing. could do it and connect with God in the middle of it, that would be great. But that's a lot of content to be able to try to connect. Well, not try it, but to let God really speak to you in the middle of five chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why in the class we dealt a lot with passages at 10 verses at a time. And then people go, oh, but you never get to the bottom of the page or the end of the chapter. And then you have to ask yourself, is that the goal? Right. To get through it. Oh, you just said it well. Yeah. Yes. To get Could- through it. Through it. The goal is to hear from God. What is God saying to me today? What is God inviting me into? So what I try to do to disarm people, and I think you experienced this for me, is so mm-hmm. I give you guys a solitude experiment to do. Yes. And I try, you know, you think you're going to go somewhere and sit and be quiet forever. And I say all kinds of scandalous things like, oh, just go off and have fun with God. Or, you know. Look at the ducks. Yes, that was my big one. Look at ducks. Um, but I do tell you to shut off your phone, which I know that's mm-hmm. like cutting off your mm-hmm. arms. It okay. is. It's it painful. Is. I, I get that. Um, after a while, you just want to throw your phone in the duck pond. But, um, but to be able to just go off and connect with God. You know, getting up, I get up early and sometimes... I, I just read maybe a psalm, but I, I'm sitting there watching the sunrise. And mm. Jesus and I, sometimes we're talking. Sometimes mm-hmm. we are just hanging out and having a great time. Right. All of that really counts. It does. And I think we've manufactured the constructs of what we think we're trying to get an A from God. When all the time he's just saying, I just kind of want to be with you. Wow. There you go. Right? Yeah. Um, One thing. Just like let that sink in. Yes. yes. Let it sit. Would you just say that again? We get caught up in the constructs of the doing and feeling like we're accomplishing something when God really just wants us, wants to be with us. And that being with us transforms us. That's, that's the real kicker, I think, mm-hmm. is that as you hang out with God and as you connect with God, that's what John 15 is all about. Abide right. in me as I abide yes. in you. 
just as the branch cannot bear fruit, well, the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of that. As you hang out with God, you become more like that. So that, that brings me to a favorite Dallas Willard quote, which, as I told you, I love to misquote first. What God gets out of your life is all the stuff you do. No. Yes. What God gets out of your life is the person you become. Amen. And you slowly, progressively become the kind of person your dog thinks you already are. Right. The kind of person your mother spent years praying you would please become. But it's organic. It's not you, once again, forced, mm -hmm. guilt, should. It's a natural thing. Right. We become like the one we love. Mm. It reminds me, um, one of my mentors, when I was always facing, uh, specifically really when I was looking at a transition in my life, should I go to this church? Should I do this type of ministry? He asked me one time, um, or, or, or told me, um, God cares less about what you're doing and doing for him than who you are becoming. And so the question you should be asking yourself is not where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What's my will? But who do you want me to become? And the answers to those other questions will flow out of, God, who are you shaping me to be? And what if we changed our, what if we changed our questions from God? Because I feel like from, as, a, as a leader, I get stuck in the trap of, like you were saying before, I think it's a great thing to invite him into the problems. We need to do that even more. What do you want me to do here? What do you want to do there? Because as a leader, we're constantly making decisions. We're always making decisions, and we want God to be a part of those decisions, but overwhelmingly, it feels like my relationship with God and my conversations with God are more directed around, yes. give me direction more than speak into me and, and shape me, mold me, reveal to me, how am I not reflecting you? And spending time with him, well, I think... It, it teases that out, just that being with him. You get more out than the asking for the answers. Is that right? Am I on? Is that, that, is, that is beautiful. I love what your mentor said because especially as we ask God, give me a right heart about this issue. Mm -hmm. The right decision unfolds. So it's always about doing the work of Christ with the heart of Christ. And if I can't do the work of Christ with the heart of Christ, once again, big pause. Yeah. Is this, maybe this isn't the best thing. Maybe this isn't what God's inviting me into. Right. In fact, I like to replace the word should with invitation. Mm. What is God's invitation for me today? And it, it won't usually be something really big. And then also about what you said, we tend to play games in hearing God with, Red light, green light. Yeah. Or a shining it, light. Right. On the billboard. Yes. Um, when what it's really about is daily conversation with God, because 
let's say someone approaches me and says, oh, I'd like, here's an opportunity I'd like for you to do this. And so I start talking about, about this with God, but I'm not looking for red light, green light. I'm looking for what do I need to know next? What is my next step? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that leaves space for God to say, why don't you call so-and-so? They used to work with these people. Mm -hmm. Or why don't you call the person that works for this person? And I'm going, oh, that is really clever. That's fantastic. I never would have a bonus for that, that, God. I know. And so, or, or God says, if you get in the middle of this, is this going to remind you of what you were in? You know? mm -hmm. um, or in my case, test this guy out. Can you really work with a female? <laughs> <laughs> right. God is very practical, much more practical yes. than me. So yeah. um, in the conversation, so then by the time the deadline comes for you to make your decision, you've already made it. Right. You know, you have peace in your heart because you've communed yeah. with God and you know his heart. His heart become, your heart becomes his heart, a reflection. Yeah. One of the things that I know that I love for us to give practical, uh, uh, something to apply. Um, one of the things as I was reflecting, get preparing for our conversation, one of the things that still, you know, it's all good, but there's a couple things that go, ooh, makes me think, ponder, rest, is the idea that you presented about abstinence and engagement. Can you unpack that a little bit for everybody, those, those thoughts of the difference and what those two things do for us? Well, our corner of the kingdom is very big on disciplines of engagement. We read the Bible, we go to church, we pray, we serve. We, mm -hmm. we have a lot of doing. Mm -hmm. The disciplines of abstinence are about things that we don't do, things we abstain from. And these are crucial because if you keep filling up the cup and you don't ever drain the mm -hmm. cup of the stuff that's not working, it, it's just, it's just going to get chaotic. So disciplines of abstinence are about what am I like when I don't get what I want? And you and I, Vance, we both know that is mm -hmm. the crux of every problem yep. at a church. Right. From staff members to members to, you know, what am I like when I don't get what I want? And so solitude and silence, which is, that's the cutting off your arms with the phone thing. Yes. So being able to do that, um, fasting and you know you can fast from a lot of things when we do the fasting experiment in class oh gosh especially if they're like under 24 when they fast from facebook you would think the sky has fallen okay. well i mean how would they knew if the sky had fallen that's their only connection to society so well and i don't want to make light of anything like when a student isa asked jesus what you need to fast from and they come up with some ideas and now and then i go okay that's weird um but i trust that god is speaking to them and their papers are amazing how they discover god people abstain from coffee for one morning and they have to trust god so deeply um it, it's you know all different kinds of things that people fast from or when i have you do the situational silence where you 
right. I had one guy who led a staff meeting and didn't talk. Wow. And I know, you know, those of you listening should have seen the look on Vance's face for that one. But it was a big guys. He said that was the best staff meeting we ever had because I really listened. And the staff loved mm. it that I listened. And I said, I did some mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I threw out the question and then I just let them and other people have reported and then they turned to me and go, well, what do you think? And he said, and this time they really listened to me because I haven't been jabbering the whole time. Um, right. It's really, but see, not always telling everybody everything I know. Mm-hmm. And the real danger for us here is that when we're on a platform every week or when we're known as the leader, the one who knows, we kind of, um, we just, you know, look at me and I'll give you information. Okay. Right. We're expected to know the answers. So we just, and so if we don't know it, we'll make it up. I know. I look at the length of my email sometimes and I go, okay, everybody knows I'm a writer. Okay. And what could you cut out? This poor person, you know, fell asleep at paragraph three. Um, but less is more. Simplicity of speech, simplicity of time, you know, right. that fear of missing out. What if I am not, what if my name's not on that list or I'm not seen? Mm-hmm. And see, mm-hmm. all that is about impression management. And impression management is a big deal. Mm. It's about image. Trying to set an example is generally not a healthy thing. Right. Be who you are. And if people have questions, they'll ask you but trying to be someone you're not. Right. People know it and they know you're faking it and they know you're trying to impress them. Think of what a burden it is to be around someone who's trying to impress you. Mm. Mm-hmm. You have to keep feeding it. Right. You know, or <laughs> if you're really turned off, you're trying not to roll your eyes or just like, <laughs> oh my goodness, excuse me, I have to... Um, Go back to the buffet table. Um, So the disciplines of abstinence are really good for us. We don't often think about them. For me, the aha kind of moment was when I'm thinking about spiritual disciplines, it's all the things that I have to layer on top that are addition, never realizing really. And where I found the most freedom and connection with God was in the subtraction where it's I'm taking time away in solitude, in silence, in uh, fasting. And um, it's amazing because I think for me personally, it got me out of the, the performance of things. It, and that's where I tend to find my worth is in what I'm doing. And I can't find my worth in something that I'm not doing. So to take something away uh, is often more meaningful because just because of the culture that we live in. And you mentioned it before we jumped on. I think we're even, there is a heightened sense because of, I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but we're in the middle of quarantine and most churches, a lot of churches are opening back up, but most churches are doing online church right now. And so the only picture we get of a pastor 
is the message that they're delivering, the performance that they're giving um, on a weekend. And that's a dangerous, slippery slope for a pastor to be in. Yes. What's your thoughts on that? I think that non-Christians and the younger generation is onto us. Yeah. And they, they pick up the performance. Oh gosh, I can't think of any other phrase, but as BS, um, sorry. Yeah. Um, and they're looking for someone who's the real deal. And they're really turned off by it all. And, and even the people who really like the whole performance thing, mm -hmm. I think they're really moved by someone who is vulnerable and someone who deeply loves God. Yeah. Well, Jan, as we kind of bring things to a close, I would love, you know, one of the things that was huge, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, um, and I think there's, because you're, you're on the podcast, there's a lot of the impact that you've had in my life. And, and I know Keith, who's on the podcast with then David, but your book, When the Soul Listens, is an incredible guide through uh, the streams of di spiritual disciplines. Give us a little picture, because I want ev everybody out there listening to this, this is something that you need. Even if you don't know you need it, trust me, you need it. Um, give us a, a quick little elevator kind of this is this is what encapsulates why why some why do why do these listeners need to ingest the truths in when the soul listens? I would say that before I began approaching God in this totally relational manner. Instead mm -hmm. of the totally mechanical matter, which right. I mean is checkbox spirituality. I do this, I do this, I do this. I would say I was usually exhausted. Mm. And now I'm hardly ever exhausted. Mm. And I think a minute ago when we were talking about spiritual disciplines, I was I was thinking, okay, now they're going to shut this off. <laughs> and so I just wanted to throw in what you had mentioned to me helped you is with every spiritual practice, you do it as you can, not as you can. So here's your, here's your experiment. If you're just starting out in solitude, next time you get in your car and you're by yourself, don't turn anything on for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you can watch the clock. And at 10 minutes, turn on everything you want. But just hang out with God for 10 minutes. Just enjoy God for 10 minutes. Just start small. Do it as you can. God's going to love those 10 minutes. Yes. He'll love the rest of your life too. Yeah. But, but that's sort of where we start. Yes. I just... I would say to everybody out there to echo that if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're carrying a heavy burden, um, 
I think of Jesus's words in Matthew when he says, come to me, come to me, all who are weary, who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, There's something more. God never intended us for us to do this in our own strength and our own ability with our own talents um, outside of a relationship that is thriving with him. And so if you're feeling that, it might be a good indicator that there's an invitation that you haven't been answering and God is calling to you. Answer the invitation and find rest in him. Jan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Everybody out there, get the book When the Soul Listens by Jan Johnson. It's on Amazon, everywhere. Um, Jan, how could people get connected on a deeper level with you, observe more of your your teachings, books, resources, uh, through your website, through social media? What? How can people get connected with you? The best way is through my website, janjohnson.org. And there are loads of free things on there. There mm-hmm. are free books. And of mm-hmm. course, there's all my books that are for sale, but there's articles. I send out a monthly whiz bit thing that's only like 400 words. And it's usually whatever's come out of my conversations with God. But that would be good. I also try to post on my Facebook author page, but I forget sometimes. But, um, <laughs> and on the front page of my website, there will be a link to this podcast. Woo! I'm making it to the front page. We make it. Wow. We've arrived. Oh, Jan, thank you so much. We appreciate this. Um, we're grateful. And I hope I know that this is going to be helpful and encouraging for a lot of people out there. So all of you listeners out there, thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next time. Man, Vance, I I really loved that conversation with you and Jan. Um, and, and actually, I liked it for a bunch of reasons. I mean, we're going to get into some of her content. One of the things that yeah. I love is just uh, you talking to your professor. Um, I know. It's so weird. And her not being my <laughs> professor when we had the conversation, I felt like she was grading me as we were talking. It was I know. Quite I, I had a couple classes with her as well. And I... I I very intentionally wanted you to have that conversation because it's, it, it is, I, see what you I feel like, there. I feel like there are times that I had a conversation with her about the, in the class and I would immediately, you know, be like, Oh man, I said that totally wrong. Didn't I? And she would, yeah, you did. So, uh, I, I, I but love, she's so full of grace. Even is. if you said it wrong, she would make you feel loved and amazing. Yes. Also by telling you you're wrong. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I, I mean, um, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping for more of those stories. I was hoping to hear yeah, some, I, when was Vance wrong? We might have bring her back. We made a just pack. for that. Yeah, before, <laughs> yeah. beforehand. I also want to point out, though, Vance, that, that this was one of those, this was the calmest conversation you've had with any human being that I've Probably. ever Probably. Yeah. yeah, totally. That it's, was, it, great. It, it, it's, well, Jan has that effect on you. She you does. just go like, ah, That's okay. True. That's true. Man, uh, let's let's unpack this a little bit. Um, you know, the, the the first one of the first things that at least jumped out to me, and I'd be interested in what you thought about this, you guys. Um, this idea of guilt. She says that that guilt is the number one tool of the enemy, and and the way to to combat guilt is with desire. Um, she gave this 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 quote: uh, "God does not want us to do work with him out of guilt, 
but he wants us to desire him. And I, man, that was like a dagger, mm, you know, mm-hmm. to the chest for me. You know, talk, talk about that a little bit. Like when you hear that, what, what kind of jumps to the surface for you guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, Vance, one of the things that you said uh, in your interview is that the sexy thing is to be busy. And I know mm-hmm. for me, uh, as a, an achiever, you know, an Enneagram type three, my, my to-do list and the satisfaction of checking off those boxes uh, for, for a long time in my life was actually a pretty significant point of significance and identity for me. And yeah. so when you yeah. miss that checkbox, uh, the guilt is just as overwhelming. And it, it was a freeing moment for me, I think, to think about the idea, uh, you know, that it's not, it's not about all the things I can do it's not about all the things right. that, that he's expecting. It's, it's that relationship time and that perfect love driving out that fear, driving out that guilt, driving mm. out that shame and condemnation. Yeah, it, it's crazy to me. It feels like that's almost every leader I talk to yeah. sits within that, that idea, that guilt of am I doing enough? Yeah. Yeah, what do you well, think, Vance? Well, we're passionate people. We have a... One thing that, you know, my mentors, one of my mentors said is that ministry is drenched in nobility. Hmm. Like it, it is the thing that it, it seems okay to put all of your focus in checking those boxes, right? I'm building the kingdom every time I'm checking those boxes so that mm-hmm. can feel good. Uh, but, but not spending time with God and you know, and here's the, for me, where the guilt comes from is I know deep down in my heart when I'm not engaged with God, like I should, and I am just checking those boxes and I have to remind myself, I'm, I feel like I'm a good father. I love my kids. I don't love them based off of the chores that they do or don't do yeah. around here or what I just love them and how much more does God love me? And yet I still can't see it. I can't get over the fact that even when I, even when I do things wrong, when I mess up, when I'm just straight up sinning, he still loves me as much as as he loves me as much in the sin as before I sin. Yeah. So, you know, as a, as a part of that, you know, when, when you all started talking about the, what is the goal? What is the outcome that we're looking for? You know, as an achiever, I tend to think about doing it, like showing up to that reading plan or showing up and finishing it, checking off the day. But this idea that this is really about relationship, it's, it's about connecting with God. It's the being with God that transforms yeah. us more than doing. She even mentioned, you know, that Jesus wasn't running off because he needed help all the time. He was running right. off to those mountaintops because he just enjoyed being with the father and that uh, Dallas Willard quote, um, that was shared, what God gets out of your life is the person you become. That's what he's looking for. That's the fruit. Who am I becoming? Yeah. Who is he transforming me into? I mean, I love that. I mean, that slapped me clean in the face. Again, as an achiever, as a doer, as a person that looks forward to checking things off, uh, this idea of in all of that, am I missing the connection? Am I missing the relationship? Is it being with God? That is what I'm looking for more than just what I can you know, do from the goal is not just to get through it, but to be with God and allow that to transform us. Uh, what did you think about that? Yeah. I, well, first, I mean, 
I love that quote from Dallas. And, and what's, what's really cool and what she, she downplays a lot is that actually Jan Johnson was, is a protege of Dallas Willard. I mean, so she was in the classroom with him and, you know, teaching classes right alongside him and learned kind of right, right at his feet. And so, you, you know, yeah, she'll say things that, that you're like, was that Jan or was that Dallas? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a really, it's a really cool thing. Um, but Brian, to, to that man, it, it does. It's, it's so hard. And those seem to, the, the, the people that are wired like you, I'm, I'm very similar in that, um, of, of just wanting to get things done. And, and, and let me actually actually change that for a second of wanting to be seen getting things done. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's where the, that's, that, that, that's where the power Come on now. comes into it of wanting, you know, I mean, my biggest fear as a leader is being seen as lazy. My, yeah. one of my biggest fears um, that keeps me up at night is somebody outworking me is mm-hmm. like, whoa, I can't let that happen. Like I, I must produce, perform, you know, more than other people. And that becomes a value um, proposition for me. Like that's where value comes from. And so to hear her say, you know, give that example of, hey, reading through the Bible in a year might not actually be something that connects you to God. Um, yeah. But it's a great thing to check off the list. But it, it's, it might not be something that, that draws you in. And I remember being in her class. I remember uh, we would read very short passages of Scripture. And then she'd have us read it again and then read it again and then read it again. And this idea of meditating on something versus flying through something just goes against wiring, goes against what we have been taught is success. To sit and to marinate does not feel successful. And, Hmm. and, And yet that reminder of success is not necessarily what God has called you to. And so many of us in ministry that are running these either entire churches or teams or ministries, we are chasing that idea of success. And I think that we've, we really need to slow down and understand that there's more to it. That's not actually what we're called to. Absolutely. You know, I had a friend this last week. He said uh, that COVID-19 did not destroy anything. It revealed mm-hmm. things. And, you know, I think a lot of what we are seeing in the church, we have to say COVID ruined this, Hmm. Uh, you know, COVID has caused us to not meet in person and all, you know, go down the list or whatever. But in reality, what it has done is it peeled back what, what truly was the issue. You know, people weren't really going to church like we thought they were people, you know, maybe my relationship um, and my value, like what you said, David, what made me think about this is you know, as leaders, and especially a lot of the, the church leaders that are listening to this, they get their value based off of the accolades of man. I do a good message. I lead worship well. I achieve something in as a student pastor. And, and we begin to think that, that we crave those accolades and we attribute what we're doing and our task list to God, but it's actually chasing after the accolades of man. And, and then we try and say, do the same thing for God, but that's not what he's after at all. And my guess is that through this pandemic that, we've, that we're living in, I don't know about you guys, I would say for myself, it has peeled back the surface and, and removed some of the veneer 
where I'm kind of left bare with, I'm not performing the same way that I was. You know, how many times we heard pastors say, you know, I'm tired of preaching to an empty room and it feels different. And, you know, there's all these things that they're not getting the pats on the back as they walk out of church saying that was a great message or that worship set was totally rad, you know, or whatever. Uh, they're not getting that. What, what decade are you in? That worship service was totally rad. Listen, where are I, you, man? I, I know. You totally it's just, just jump right into it. Totally <laughs> rad. Totally what rad. What a rad worship service. That's, what a rad that's what I think of when I'm in worship. I mean, yeah, that that's was, good. That that's was good. Just, that's you know what? true, though. That message was the bomb. Yeah. No, okay. Oh boy. Okay. That's the dad of a high school student. I, I here's here's what I what I think is 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 important. I mean, and you're you're touching right there, Vance. Um, man, right now I'm having more conversations with leaders who are on the brink of burnout, on yeah. the on the brink of uh, of I mean, their longevity just ending here. I mean, they're just saying, look, like I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this pandemic. Right. And, and what's been fascinating for me is that is in those conversations, what I'm trying to do. And again, it's always easier to tell somebody else or give someone else this permission than it is to give this permission to yourself. Right. Like I need people to give me this. But the permission I'm trying to give them is what if you embraced this change? What if you embraced this new pace and were able and allowed yourself to slow down in a way where you were so connected with God in the midst of this pandemic? that you truly trusted that he was going to build your church. Yeah. That you were trusting, right? I mean, that's, she, she, she talks about that uh, in, where she talked about kind of abstinence, you know, uh, you know, by, by um, fasting from something, it is a way of, of giving over to God control. And so what if you as a leader, instead of trying to just hold on for dear life for, of control, you let go of the control and had some trust in this season that God's going to get through it. And this is actually an opportunity for you to be more connected to your family than ever. This is an mm-hmm. opportunity for you to be more connected to God than ever. We, we literally, like all of the hard things about this pandemic, the one good thing is we are forced to slow down. Yeah. We're forced to be with him in these moments. And I think that, you know, the, the almost relief I see on leaders' faces when we have that conversation has been inspiring to me. I mean, that there's something really beautiful. How are you, I mean, how is that hitting you? How are you in this season allowing yourself to slow down? Are you doing that? Um, and, and what does it look like in kind of, in kind of your life? Brian, I'd love to even hear, hear it from you, man. Yeah, you know, so uh, when, when I was uh, listening to, to the interview and preparing and, and the question was asked, what am I like when I don't get what I want? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like when, when they were talking about some of the disciplines of abstinence and when, when I was processing that for myself, um, a lot of what I want just by nature of how I'm wired is to accomplish yeah. and to do. And because the things that we settle into aren't as easily measured, like mm-hmm. success in terms of time with my kids and making moments and memories with them in this season is not as easily measured as writing a song, planning a worship set, yeah. you know, wrapping up a coaching session. Like those things are, are easy to measure the success of. And, and yeah. so for me, I, I've been really challenging myself to let go of the metrics. And we're so metrics mm-hmm. focused and measurement focused. But for me, it's just been, 
you know, okay, if all I do is sit with my kids, uh, maybe it's even redefining success. Like success was that 20 minute Lego battle I had with my son, you know, or just sitting and building or watching a new movie or watching a a show together, uh, engaging in conversation, picking up new habits with them, you know, fun things that we can do that, that, um, that's hard when you're wired to accomplish because what I'm like when I don't get what I want in accomplishment is bitter <laughs> and, yeah. and maybe a little bit resentful of the season as opposed to appreciating the good that, that I find in it. So, you know, I, I think, you know, checkbox spirituality is something that I'm always going to be fighting against uh, just by the nature of how I'm wired. Um, and they're good things. Like we're showing up to good things. When I sit down to read my Bible in the morning, I'm showing up to something great. Um, you know, that's a, a perfect opportunity. Um, but just reminding myself that even if I can't measure it, 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 it's successful just based off a of principle, time invested in my family, time invested in myself yeah. is that is successful. Um, yeah, that's, that's been a big thing for me in this season. It's changing the scoreboard. And I think for some of us that are achievers, what I experienced the most freedom in was not the doing, the check, you know, reading my Bible, all those things. What I experienced God most in is abstinence. And I remember when I went through Jan's class and being forced to spend an hour in solitude. Yeah, wow. So the goal is not to talk, no worship music, no input, be alone in silence for an hour. And we had to do this, uh, you know, several weeks. And I remember the first time it was such a revelation of, I have no idea how to do this. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, have my quiet times with God, (laughs) but I also have some type of stimulation coming in. There's worship music, there's something coming in. And, and there, it was like torture, but then there was this breakthrough moment of pushing through where you kind of felt the calm and peace and, mm. and honestly, the voice of God. Mm. And I, I think for those of us that are achievers that want to do, sometimes the best antidote for that is forcing ourselves not to not. do. And, yeah. and meeting God in that moment of, I'm not, a, I'm not, and I'm using air quotes, accomplishing anything. I'm not going to, in this slot of time, get through this scripture and do this because that's what a Christian does. But just to say, what if I disconnect completely? You know, I, she talks about watching ducks or squirrels a lot. And yeah. I actually did that. I went to a park, sat on a park bench for an hour and watched ducks swim. And it was amazing what God spoke to me and what I saw and just this, it, it felt like these scales falling off, just the, like these weights just falling off. And so if you've never done that, it's, it's an amazing experience and it's quite telling as to how programmed we are, especially uh, in the season of a pandemic when everything is different, everything has changed to just do nothing. Uh, it's, it's so refreshing and different than what we're used to. 
Yeah. yeah. One of the things that in the last few weeks that our family has been doing as a part of this is we added a, uh, we get together and, you know, work on a scripture for the week with the kids and just like a little memory verse for them. And we added five minutes of silent meditation at the mm-hmm. end. Uh, all, all, we're all a little bit hyperactive and just like that five minutes of, of silence and we sit and, you know, there's a timer, you know, do every practice as you can, right? Not as you can. So there's a five minute timer, it dings a little bell and it dings at the end of the five minutes and just the impact of like what you said, just show him to do that, that five minutes um, really has helped settle our kids. It settled us and it has just yeah. reinforced for me a lot of what you all talked about of just starting, just getting to that place, stepping over the awkwardness of it um, and even inviting, you know, I'm hoping that when we're raising our kids to not follow in the same patterns, uh, bad patterns that maybe I have, you know, that maybe my kids will be less prone to be checkbox spiritualists, you know, and, and really lean into that relationship. So yeah, that's a good, that's tough. That's tough for a high energy family uh, and high energy leaders, but just kind of settling in. Yeah. Hey, so maybe you're listening to this and, uh, you know, you're feeling the guilt. Uh, let me kind of take that off your plate. That, that, that phrase you just heard Brian use and Jan used it in her, she's in her books and in the, in the interview, uh, do as you can, not as you can't just take a step toward that idea of spirituality of, of being in relationship with God today. Um, what's that one step, come up with that one thing that you can do and start moving that direction. Now, as we wrap up our time, boys, if you'll excuse me, I am going to go and ride my bike. Really, really good talking with you guys uh, this afternoon, and I, I can't wait to see what comes of the rest of these episodes. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Slingshot Group podcast. We hope that you've been encouraged by the content and found these conversations meaningful. The best way to stay informed about the Slingshot Group podcast is by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love your feedback. Also, be sure to visit us at slingshotgroup.org to find out more about how we build remarkable teams through staffing and coaching. That's all the time we have for today. Until next time. Oh,